And now, here they are, the Beatles! Hi, I'm Justin Shears, and welcome to Only a Northern Song. In this series, I'll be exploring the words and the music of the Beatles, but not through the usual tracks that we all know so well. I'll be delving into my extensive collection of outtakes, home recordings and demos, alternate mixes and interviews, to shed some new light on lesser-known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy. How about your big travels of late, Paul? How was Australia and New Zealand? They were fine, you know. The only thing is, it's so far away, you know, when you go to Australia. It's a long way away, and we, we tend to get a bit homesick for England, you know. But um, it was nice sort of getting out on tour again, and the audiences were fantastic, some of them. I mean, some of the crowds had turned out to see us. It was really heartwarming to see them, you know. It was, was marvellous. But you have such pressure on you in these towns, you know, the thousands, really of devoted kids who wait all night to see it. And it happens everywhere, and you have to get a little bit used to it. But you, you, can you really have a good time in these towns when you have all this pressure on you, Ringo? Well, I love it, you know. I love all the kids and all the teenagers and everyone all waiting. It's only, it's funny when you sort of look at them and they think, well, they're waving at us. But um, we, we have a good time. Everyone else worries about us that we're having a good time, but we never seem to worry, you know. We, believe me. We're having a good time. Yeah, that's right, actually. All the press are always saying, you know, you must get fed up. You know, going around everywhere is part of our job, and we've just got to, we got used to it and got to enjoy it. With their first and only tour to Australia and New Zealand complete, the Beatles returned to London on the 2nd of July 1964. But they had no time for the inevitable jet lag that comes with flying halfway around the world, because they had another first to attend to, the world premiere of A Hard Day's Night, production for which had wrapped up just before they flew to Australia. With the stars of the film in attendance, the London Pavilion played host to the first screening of the movie on the 6th of July, with a northern premiere in the Beatles' hometown of Liverpool just four days later. The following days and weeks were jam-packed with radio, television and live appearances, all to promote the next round of Fresh Beatles recordings and, of course, the new film. You, don't be soft. We just finished making our first feature film. The United Artists. It's called A Hard Day's Night. Hey, Paul, tell them about the songs and that. that. There's eight songs in it. Eight? Yeah, I only did six. Do you? Don't be soft. It'll be coming to your theatre. It'll be coming to your theatre. Your theatre. Why? So we'll see you soon at this theatre, this very theatre, this very theatre here. Who's in it? Who's in it? The Beatles had, over the past 12 months, staged somewhat of a coup in the halls of the normally conservative BBC radio. Before 1963, pop acts got very little airtime, and teenagers had to tune in to the patchy Radio Luxembourg to hear what the rest of the world's youth was listening to, or tune their dials to the pirate radio stations, Radio London and Radio Caroline, 
who were literally anchored outside the five-mile limit of British waters. The Beatles had changed all that. With a UK audience who couldn't get enough of the Fab Four, the BBC belatedly recognised the power of pop music and began to program more and more rock and roll. The Beatles had been given their own radio shows, Pop Go the Beatles and From Us to You, in the latter half of 1963. Who better to launch the BBC's brand new pop program, Top Gear? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the BBC announcer speaking, and I'd like to tell you about a new program which will be coming on your sets, your radio sets. I'm speaking now with a very posh voice because BBC announcers... BBC announcers! You do have a posh voice! Now look, have look. Look, Paul. What? Let's tell them proper. No, look, None George, of this. You're going to have a very posh voice no. if you're on the BBC. Anyway, they all do. Ladies and gentlemen, they can't understand that. You see, if you just say, it's on on Thursday night, the 16th, and it's on from 10 o'clock okay, until well, we'll 11.55, and the Brian Matthews on it, and that we're on it, that's us workers, we're the Beatles, and also Dusty Springfield and our good friend Carl Perkins. Oh, Carl. And, Remember Carl, I did yeah. his record, you know. And Mark Winter, <laughs> and you see, you just tell them like that, and, well, look, it, and it's much, because they can understand yeah, me, they, you know. Just in they can't own, understand I, that. Just in my ordinary voice, then. Yeah, just in your Ladies and gentlemen. No, uh, no that's it? not it, your ordinary voice. The, the ordinary, ordinary one. one. No, that's it. I'm acting now. Your ordinary voice, go Ordinary voice. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this new program called what? Called fab. Top Gear. No, yeah. Top. It's Fab though, isn't it? Fab Gear, Top Gear. <laughs> called Top Gear is on. When's it on, George? It's on at ten o'clock Thursday night, the sixteenth, and it's on till eleven fifty-five. So it's almost two hours. And Brian Matthews on as well. Oh yeah, Brian and Dusty Springfield. Uh, Dusty Springfield. Oh, she's Mark great. Winter. So yes, run out and Carl buy your portable radio now. Please. And good old Carl Perkins. Good old Carl. I like Carl. This is the BBC announcer speaking to you in his posh voice, uh, telling you that Top Gear, look out for it now, folks, won't you? I don't think it's a very good posh voice. I that, don't you think Paul Sears Northern Anyway. Speaking your Paul McCartney voice. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you like this programme. And it rolls up, because, well, we're on it anyway. So well, yes, but like well, don't let Perkins. that put you off. No. Carl Perkins is on it, Dusty Springfield. Oh, it's a lovely programme. Anyway, remember to listen in Top Gear on Thursday. The 16th of, of July. We've established that fact, I think. We? Well, we've got to keep telling them, you know what they're like. Keep plugging it. You say you will love me if I have to go. You'll be thinking of me Somehow I will know Someday when I'm lonely Wishing you weren't so far away Then I will remember Things we said today You say you'll be mine, girl Till the end of time such a kind of Seems so hard to find Someday when we're dreaming Deep in love, not a lot to say Then we will remember Things we said today We are just a lucky kind Love to hear you say Stay and that's 
The latest record, the yeah. A side, is mm -hmm. this featured in the this yeah. film that's coming up shortly? It is indeed, Alan. Yes. How much singing do you do in this film? About six songs. A side. Mm -hmm. And B side. B -side yes. On the rest. Yeah. Of yeah. Um, have you composed all the songs in this particular film? Yes. Yes. Now listen. What about this A side right now? All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Right. Come buy me love. Come buy me love. minutes are in the lap of the gods and the hands of the Beatles, which means anything can happen. We're going to hear sort of versions of uh, yes. songs from their film. film yeah, Gather yeah. Round, famous film stars. <coughs> Gather Round. Right, right, right. Now, look, in my young days, when I was a lad, they used to have actors in films, and that, yes. now they... Hey, listen. It's all changed now, all changed, Well, this is what They're I wondered. They're not doing that. No actors. In those oh, days, no. the actors used to say their best bits were left on the cutting room floor. Did you find that? No. No, no. Those were <laughs> the good bits in the film. You should have seen the best. <laughs> Yes. Rubbish. Was it really? Even worse, yes. Who was worse? Oh, Paul. I see. <laughs> I think John was about the worst. No, it was you. Oh, Ringo was very good. He was, he was. He's a good lad, yes. They're saying he's a new he was Charlie mine. Chaplin. Do you think he's right? New Charlie oh, uh, yeah, he's an old yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> OK, He's Ring. beginning to look like it. Now then. Can you hear him? Not hopefully. really. I hope Hello. not. We hope brought not. the flowers, Ring. Not allowed to talk. We brought you the flowers. Oh, good. Yeah. And the grapes. Oh, I like grapes. <laughs> he likes grapes. He likes you know. Brian's nose My is peeling. My nose is peeling, yes. <laughs> Listeners. Yes, been in the sun. Well, there we are then. Well, guess who's, happen, guess who's top of the pops in Portugal then? Who? Who? Os Beatles. Os Beatles. Ridiculous. Great, Os Beatles. I don't suppose you know the title of your film in Portuguese. No, Krinks the Night. Could be. Let's hear the number, shall we? Right. It's been a hard day. 
Hold it. Oh, fade, you see. We did, we did that. Oh, no, Hold no, it. we've done that bit. The train comes in now. We did that to yeah. prove that we weren't playing the record then, you yeah, see. Yeah, we did Because that. otherwise there's no point in your being like here, it, is there? <laughs> there a critical lot of fellas there, aren't you? Here, Ringo, have a banana, catch, and share it with the others while we listen to something else that's not a record either. BBC radio recordings of songs from the Beatles' new LP. This particular recording of A Hard Day's Night deliberately had George continue playing the final guitar riff with a little bit of skylarking at the end for good measure, all to prove that the Beatles were actually playing live and that the BBC weren't just playing the record. Perhaps the Beeb were expecting some backlash from listeners, seeing as the instrumental break in this version was flown in from the record, for reasons unknown. If pop stardom, millions of adoring fans, international tours and critical acclaim weren't quite enough for John Lennon, it seems that there was room for another creative outlet, John had been an avid writer since his teenage years, publishing his own school newspaper at Quarrybank called The Daily Howl, complete with satirical and absurd stories and poems, and illustrated by hand with John's unique caricatures of teachers and classmates. John loved to play with words, which would become evident in his later songwriting, but wasn't really possible in the early 1960s. In what could also be seen as a clever cashing in on the Beatles' popularity, John published a collection of his own stories, poems and illustrations in 1964, which also needed some promotion. Well, this week we have um, a special person for you on our programme, none other than John Lennon of the Beatles. Well, John, I believe you've written a book, and this book's called John Lennon in His Own Right, folks. John Lennon in His Own Right, W-R-I-T, you see, it's a laugh. It's a laugh a minute with John Lennon. Some of you 
might uh, find it a bit difficult to understand because, you see, it's in a sort of funny lingo. Well, we get it, you see. It's, it's full of laughs. And uh, I, I don't really know how you could describe it, but it's sort of rubbish. <laughs> Maybe that's one way. Well, sitting on my left, I have another person of the Beatles called Ringo Starr. What, Ringo, yes, do you uh, think of this book by John Lennon? Well, I think it's marvellous. I mean, I've never read anything like it. You've never read before, though, no, have that's, you? No, see, that's the fun. I can't read, you see. Oh. That's why I've never... I mean, you know, the stories are so funny. Ha, ha. <laughs> I mean, the titles are so funny. Partly, Dave. And what else have we got here? We've got many a nice story. Sad Michael. That's a sad story. The Famous Five through Wono Abbey. It's a well-known place. Randolph's Party. I mean, that's one not to be missed by anybody. We also have The Wrestling Dog. Many little drawings which will make you laugh. Laugh? Well, you, George is trying to lose his accent, you see. Well, thank you, Ringo. So I'd just like to hand you over to John Lennon, and what are you going to read for us? Well, it just so happens, George, I've got a copy of my book here, and it's, I'll read a poem, what is called Alex Speaking. He is putting it lightly when he says, quabbling the grass, strabby down the soddy flays, a mower mat a mass, a monk a mink a minibus, a marmalady moon, a Mickey mended multiplus, a mighty midgy spoon. And so I traddled onward, caring not a care. Onward, 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 my friends, and glory for the 59! <laughs> Actually, it's the 39th that I goofed. Well, uh, uh, thank you, John. Thank you. This one's called I Sat Be Lonely, right. I sat be lonely down a tree, humbled, fat and small. A little lady sing to me, I couldn't see at all. I'm looking up and at the sky to find such wondrous voice. Puzzle, puzzle, wonder why I hear, but I've no choice. Speak up, come forth, you ravel me, I potty menthol shout. I know you're hiddy by this tree, but still she won't come out. Such softly singing lulled me sleep an hour or two or so. I waked me slow and took a peep, and still no lady show. Then suddy on a little twig I thought I see a sight, a tiny little tiny pig that sing with all its might. I thought you were a lady, I giggle, well I may. To my surprise the lady got up and flew away. The end. John? Yes, Alan? Alongside uh, all your singing commitments, I'm told that you're budding into a real blooming Somerset morn, is that right? No. Why not? <laughs> well, I'm not blooming. What about this book you've written? What's the name of it? Well, it's called John Lennon is his own right, well, uh, nine and my, six, and uh, it's published by John Lennon? the Gate. No, just, and uh, just, it's out on. now, I no, think. Just a minute. Well, what you about know. my song? You know, what John's song? screaming, what about my book? Paul's screaming, what about my song? Paul, go away. Just go away for a minute. Yes, all right, Ringo. Yes, all right, George. Hold on. John, what about yes. your book? Well, it's, uh, it's only cheap, and I think uh, I've, I've been selling a few copies now, you know. How much is the it? studio. Nine and six. Nine and six? Oh, I will. It's, uh, What's the book all about? Back. It's about uh, rubbish. Really? With, with drawings, of course. Have you got any drawings of me in it? Uh, well, some of them could possibly... <laughs> could possibly, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say... Uh... Are you going to uh, sell many copies, do you think? Oh, I'm, I've been trying to sell a few around the studio now. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, can't we? Yes, we can. It's the other side of the record as John Lennon sings. I've got something to tell you that might cause you pain. If I catch you talking to that boy again, I'm gonna let you down and leave you flat. Because I told you before, oh, you can't do that. 
The remainder of July 1964 saw more promotional work, with every opportunity being taken to plug the new movie and soundtrack album, mainly through the medium of radio, which in 1964, at least in the UK, was still the way to reach the largest audiences. Now, all these songs in this film, you had to write to a sort of deadline. Did you find this a bit more difficult than the way you usually do them on the back of bus tickets? Yeah, yeah well, you oh, see, yeah. Josh, Josh. <laughs> it was a bit, it was hard, because we normally do them as hobbies sort of things. But hello, Ringo. Hello, Ringo. You can't have time writing them, Ringo. Oh, well, it was different. The, the first one was about the worst, because I had a lot of trouble with this glasses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, it was harder. The ones yeah. he's wearing, he means, folks. We did yes. most of them in Paris. Um, you didn't know did some in New York, didn't you, Ringo? Yeah, I did some of mine in well, Paris. Well, now the serious bit having got over, let's get round to the funny chat. And we would like you chaps to sort of launch the good ship Top Gear and all that. The good you ship know. Well, Top oh, Gear. I hereby launch new Bernie's new vessel. That's ah. Cool. So, nice work it? for the captain. The I hereby name this ship Top Gear. Top Gear. Thank That's you, Duchess. Right, now then, another song from the Pity film. we had to sing for yeah. the first week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a shame. No, never mind, never mind. That, while well, you're here... I had a job writing them anyway, Brian. Yeah, Brian. You did, all of you. You've talked, Georgie. Hey. Have I permitted? George, uh, yes, you can talk. There's your chance. OK, then, come ahead. Say it. Do the next one. What is it? Are they going to sing? And I love her. And I love her, And yes. I love her. I like that one. It's one of my favourites. to hear another song from the film. We're in the TV studio 
and we've just seen the set that they've sort of built up for us and we go down and in this particular bit Ringo is supposed to be sort of sulking a bit actually this is another one of these bits where we got the giggles as well you know <laughs> Ringo's supposed to be sulking and John sort of starts joking with him and starts singing this song as though he's singing it to him you know it's quite a laugh making it probably doesn't sound very funny now well, it anyway it was seemed very funny <laughs> on the screen but if to us we were all breaking up you know him singing all this great anyway, song. Anyway, I'll tell you what, listen if to I the fell. song now, it's called If I Fell. 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 If I Fell, if I fell. <laughs> if I fell in love with you, would you promise to be true and help me understand? Cause I've been in love before and I found that love was more than just holding hands. If I did if I fell. The other song that you haven't played is me singing oh. and Paul and John wrote this one mm -hmm. so that I could have a sing in the film and it's called I'm Happy Just to Dance With You. Before this dance is through I think I'll love you too I'm so happy when you dance with me I don't want to kiss or hold your hand If it's funny try and understand I just want to dance with you all night In this world there's nothing I would rather do Cause I'm happy just to dance with you Just to dance with you Let's pretend we 
Well, that was me singing. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it was very good, George. Like it, George. Yeah, I think it's one of the best. Oh, I, I you know, I'm giving him a bit of training. Thanks a lot. <laughs> BBC recordings of songs from A Hard Day's Night. Of course, Britain wasn't the only place to have fans desperately waiting for news about the new film and its premiere. American teenagers, who had hosted the Beatles in February that year, hung on every word offered to them through open-ended interviews. These were recordings of the Beatles giving answers to a list of scripted questions, which were then distributed to disc jockeys all over the country, ready for them to insert recordings of themselves asking the questions, thus creating the illusion that they were actually talking to the Beatles exclusively 
and personally. Hello. It's certainly nice to be on your program. It certainly is. It certainly is. This is Paul speaking. Paul who? Paul McCartney. And nice to have you on our show once more. Nice to be here, Fred. This is Ringo Starr. George Harrison. Na, 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 na. What happened to John? Well, actually, he's gone down to the uh, shipyards to have an estimate for a haircut. I don't know. He's supposed to be him. It's late, isn't he? What's happening? I don't know. Don't ask me. Please don't ask me. Certainly nice to have you guys on our show on a most auspicious occasion, the very first movie of the, no doubt, world-renowned Beatles. Hard day's night. Thank you very much. Thank you. Was it a hard day's night, Ringo Starr, making your first movie? Well, it was hard two months. <laughs> it took two months, actually, to make this film. But, um... I think I found the biggest drag was when we were just sitting around doing nothing. And getting up early. Oh, getting up yeah. early. That was one of those things. We had to get up about six o'clock in the morning, you know, sometimes. Which is, oh, I'm sure it's not good for anyone, that. It's very bad for your health. Did you find that easy to do, George? Oh, no. In fact, you see, we're night owls, folks. Ooh. You mightn't have noticed. <laughs> no, but, you know, we all go out at night and then suddenly our day was reversed so that we had to be up at six in the morning. But we still couldn't get the hang of going to bed at night so we were going out at night and getting up in the morning for the first week or so and i just couldn't believe it six o'clock somebody dragging me out of bed the actual technique of making movies itself with over and over again the same take and having to be spontaneous for each one george and the discipline of movies yeah how did, how did you hit with that it was all right it depends i think a lot on the direction of the film and we had a, an exceptionally good director dick lester and, you know, he was, he was a good fella, and he, he liked us, we liked him, and we all got on well, and he had a good sense of humour, so it made it much easier for us. Was it a whole thing, a fun experience? Was it a ball going through the picture, or was it actually work? That's about 80% work, and 20% was all laughs. Even the work, you know, which was hard work, was, was still good fun, because, you know, the film was a good laugh, mainly. I mean, even when we were sort of very tired and really knocked out, and we'd do a thing, when we actually saw it, on the screen. It looked sort of quite funny. The picture itself, what is it about? It's about two days and two nights of our life, really, where we leave Liverpool to come to London on a train, and it's all little things that happen on a train, you know, like we have an argument with a fella on the train and all different things that happen. Also, Paul's grandfather, Wilfred Bramwell, well, Wilfred Bramwell plays Paul's grandfather's on the train, and he gets us up into all tricks and he runs away. The best thing is, though, you know, not to tell everybody what it's about and tell everybody to go and see the film. Yeah. Yes. yes. Let's go along and see it, folks. Oh, oh days nice. Nice. Hey, it's been wonderful having you guys on our show. Really a guess. Well, thanks very much. You know, we've all enjoyed being on the show, and this is Paul McCartney signing yeah. off. And me, I enjoyed it. George Harrison. And me. Keep swinging. Ringo Starr. It's been a the bell ringing news, the fad, the gear, the really nutty Beatles are here, starring in their first full-length hilarious action-packed film, A Hard Day's Night. You've got to see it. This is the nuttiest thing to come along in a long, long while. See them, they're too much. See John, Paul, George, and Ringo, your favorites, The Beatles, A Hard Day's Night, the nuttiest since Flick started flicking, The Beatles in A Hard Day's Night, a United Artists release. A rare U.S. radio promo for A Hard Day's Night. The Beatles' hard work certainly paid off. The movie was critically acclaimed and was a box office sensation worldwide. Its black and white, fly on the wall, day in the life approach has been emulated many times since and paved the way for several other Beatle movies over the rest of the decade. 
Even today, it's highly regarded among the canon of rock and roll vehicles. Not bad for four lads who had never acted before. Well, that's it for this episode. Next time, we'll explore some of the many songs that the Beatles wrote specifically for other artists, or simply gave away because they didn't think they'd be good enough to record themselves. Until next time... Does it?